We live in a world that is becoming increasingly virtual. The metaverse beckons, promising new ways of relating to each other and of doing business. But the benefits in most of our daily lives are unclear. Will the virtual and augmented realities that are being constructed amount to much more than updated versions of Pokemon Go or Second Life? Or will they just accentuate the many harms that we already see online? For engineers, however, the creation of representations in the digital world offers real-world value. They can bring certainty and accuracy to planning. Replacing an unstructured mess of legacy data. Replacing an unstructured mess of legacy data with a single source of truth model that brings together both old knowledge of a site and freshly generated scans which can be used to plan projects safely and efficiently. This approach has particular benefits in the nuclear sector, where sites are built over a span of decades and have specific hazards that demand certainty and conservatism from project managers. By creating digital twins of these sites, steps in the decommissioning process can be planned out in the virtual world, allowing them to be performed efficiently while reducing the need for staff to enter hazardous areas. Hello and welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Alex Conacher. And I'm Rian Owen. This week we are talking to Poppy Harrison and Jonathan Gill from our episode partner Atkins to learn how digital twins are used for nuclear decommissioning. Gill has worked on waste decommissioning projects in the UK, at Sellafield and in Canada. A site like Sellafield poses some unique challenges. Sellafield site has been there since I think it's the 50s. It was certainly originally it was used to develop uh, munitions as part of the Cold War. And it then eventually uh, moved on to sort of power generation. And now it's going into its later life form of, of decommissioning. Over the decades that a site like Sellafield has been in use, change has been constant. Much of the knowledge of how and why a site has changed is stored in the heads of those who work there. There's a lot going on where there's configuration control issues. Um, you have members of nuclear teams. It, te it tends to be that the same people work on the same nuclear sites. And they, and of course, everyone comes to their retirement age at some point. So you lose that information and that data knowledge. So you want to be able to capture that uh, as far as possible to be able to understand why is the asset in the state it's in? How has it come to this state? What, what upgrades, what configuration control has been done? The other sort of major issues facing a plan like this, obviously being a nuclear facility and one where it wasn't designed for power generation, it was designed for munitions and therefore the way these were handled was not really thought of from a decommissioning perspective. So effectively we're trying to we're trying to do a process that, that the building that the site wasn't designed for. And with that high hazard environment, you want to try and keep to as minimum as possible uh, sort of exposure to dose. Where changes at the site have been recorded, this was often done before anyone could guess how data would be used in the 21st century. There's a huge amount of data. It's not been structured because generally in, in nuclear decommissioning in general, but specifically Shorance at Sellafield, for example, those assets have been operational for years and years before you've had good information management principles, um, before you've known what data you're collecting and why you're collecting it. 
it's not a problem that's unique to decommissioning. I don't want to say, you know, all the, these decommissioning sites are terribly managed and don't have the data. A lot of older assets and older infrastructure projects have this issue where the data hasn't been managed or the information hasn't been managed in a way that's useful to us now, necessarily. Some documentation, they may be held on a system, but it may be that uh, you sort of come to it, but because of the way the data has been held, you may find that that document is erroneous compared to what's been done. So you, you get two extremes, right? You get one level of, of the data not being collected and you don't have as good an idea as you would like. And the other hand is too much data and it's not structured and you don't know what to do with it. Making the data from a site like this useful first requires thoughts about what is being recorded. How it is structured. And then how it's represented. You start with the problem, right? Which is true of most engineering. What are you trying to solve? What are you trying to do? What's your end goal of it? And that will relate to what you need to do with that data. You can see digital twins like any sort of application. The simplest way to sort of describe it is that it's all dependent on the user satisfaction. And you need to understand what we're, what we're, what we've been doing very recently with Sellafield and other clients in Canada is really trying to focus in on what it is they need from it because we can we can just give uh, a packaged product but if it doesn't satisfy what they need especially with the um, maybe not so technologically savvy individuals on the project because you know um, there's a there's a spectrum there you're, you're not going to get full engagement and therefore people don't realize the value of the product you can't define all your processes and just say going to make a digital twin this is what we're going to do and sometimes a digital twin isn't the right solution I think that's important to remember you know we're not trying to say you definitely need this this is 100% what you need are there other solutions we can offer um, it, it comes back to what your problem is you don't gather data for the sake of gathering data and I think that's one that's one other issue with decommissioning is having a glut of unstructured un underutilized and almost unrequired information and the digital twin is to help really sort of focus and uh, leverage the important data uh, and the and the true value of the data that we want to. So and and there's 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 a, there's a concept where there's data and then there's actual useful information to take out of that data. And that's what the digital twin is meant to sort of assist clients with um, gathering to to sort of deal with the decommissioning process. The digital twin gives you a, a much a much more improved knowledge baseline to work off than other, other methodologies. Much like the consumer metaverse, the concept of a digital twin is wide and often ill-defined. Everyone's got their own definition and you can kind of consider it from every level, from very basic, are you looking at reality capture? So point clouds from laser scanning. And photogrammetry. Um, all the way up to what people more traditionally probably think of as digital twins. So autonomous um, solutions, you look at machine learning and AI linked in with robotics. So a lot of the benefit and the value add from something you might call a digital twin or you might not comes more from that lower level reality capture, uh, virtual mock-up side of things digital twins generally. It doesn't have to be a 3D model. It can just be a digital representation of a, of a physical asset or process. Uh, but we see the ability to, with decommissioning, it's really helping the, the client as well as 
project team understand the inventory, the information available, what's there, so that they can understand their waste streams and overall their liabilities that they have for their asset. The data on a project like this may be held only on paper. And may not have been well archived. Some parts of sites, some systems are already pretty well documented. You don't need to go in and do this if it's not necessary. Other parts might be more complicated. You might have drawings from many years ago that, you know, someone's put a cigarette out on and you can't read it anymore. With chicken scratch writing that may not be clear to everyone. On a nuclear decommissioning project, it is in the ability to precisely plan site interventions that a digital twin shows its value. And what the benefit of digital twin is, especially data-rich visualization style digital twin, is that it gives the ability for, for stakeholders to view their site, uh, avoid having to do pre-job briefs, uh, preparation, dose monitoring, et cetera, et cetera, that is timely, costly, uh, can, and can also be seen as unnecessary now that we've got the capability of digital means of 360 videos and uh, laser point cloud scans that can all be held within this single source of truth platform, uh, as we know as the digital twin. The single source of truth can be accessed from anywhere. In a conference room, away from the power station itself. A lot of nuclear safety is, can we get people away from this? Do we need to put people in suits and put them in the area? Do we need hands in glove boxes, for example? And digital is a really great enabler of ensuring sort of safety and security and making sure we can keep the people that are working on these projects and are often working in nuclear environments for many years, making sure they're not exposed unnecessarily to anything. Or by experts anywhere in the world. Without the environmental impacts and general inconvenience of international travel. The nuclear industry is not huge, though quite often people aren't necessarily conveniently located right next to your local power plant. So if you can save on that, that's also a real benefit. The cloud-based nature of a digital twin means that everyone can access that single authoritative model. At any time, from anywhere in the world. What we can do uh, with digital twins uh, as, as they are is effectively, it allows you to build up a new knowledge baseline. That could be through sort of reality capture, uh, as I say, so that could be laser point, uh, laser scans, 360-degree uh, photospheres, 360-degree uh, videos, to, to allow people to visualize how the site looks now so that people who are not on site uh, for that day or people who are further afield have that ability. The accuracy of digital twins mean that more accurate forecasts can be made. So it also helps the client in, in it's a bit of a boring thing to say, but it helps with costing and pricing as well as just planning. On a congested, frequently reconfigured site like a nuclear power plant, Planning a load path for equipment moved in and out of a facility can be a challenge. An unanticipated obstacle might block movement of the load through the site. On any site, that can cause delay and additional costs. On a nuclear site, where staff must minimise their dose of radiation, it is much more critical. The traditional way to manage risks on a project is to include a wide safety margin on any movement. But that can mean the best engineering solution for a problem is made impossible. And that means that, say, you're trying to plan a job or at the very early stages you're making concept designs or proposals. It's really hard. You've got a lot of uncertainty in there. So you're going to have to use a lot of um, tolerances that you might necessarily not need to. You're going to have to be very conservative, I suppose. Um, you can take some of that away 
you can be a little bit more certain and a little bit more confident in your pricing and in your design and maybe you can take away some of those conservatisms. The precise measurements used to build a digital twin and their accurate representation in a four-dimensional model, including time as well as space, means that unanticipated obstacles can be avoided. For example, if you've got um, a large piece of steelwork or um, a component and you, and you know that there's maybe an, a routing sort of concern from the client of how it works, you can, you can go through and do effectively do the job within digital twin just through these animations, thereby saving the time for the pre-job brief, uh, saving the time uh, for setting, getting the staff ready and all this. And then, and as well as actually bringing in the component, realizing it doesn't actually fit through your alleyway, and then you're back to square one, and you've just wasted time, money. So the digital twin then allows you to effectively carry out, carry out the digitalized space, and hopefully give you the right informed decision about what the component needs to be to then to then carry out the task in reality. With an accurate digital twin, augmented reality can be used to plan jobs like this. There was a bay within Sellafield that um, they were looking to install a platform to do enabling works. And we were able to identify through augmented reality, through the digital twin, that there was clash detection issues. The fourth dimension in a digital twin can extend much further than the duration of a single job. As well as measurements of physical and temporal dimensions, a twin can include specific data relevant to the site. On a nuclear site, worker health is protected by limiting the dose of radiation staff receive. One way to do this is through dosimeters. These are physical devices carried by workers while on site that record how much radiation they have encountered. They will tell the wearer if they are receiving a dangerous dose of radiation. Traditional planning approaches limit the time workers spend in areas with high doses of radiation. As with moving equipment through site, this requires taking a very conservative approach. A digital twin can work alongside this approach, removing the need for a physical presence at the site when planning work. But it can also allow for more precise predictions of the dose that a worker will receive, allowing more accurate and appropriate safety margins to be used. Are there any areas they want to try and avoid and therefore, um, therefore ensure a lower risk? Because ultimately, lower risks means lower costs to, to operators and in the case of a lot of the UK fleet taxpayers. In many sectors, sensor monitoring of assets is used to predict maintenance requirements without humans on site. This sort of monitoring can be incorporated into a digital twin, making planning of maintenance visits more efficient and effective. Atkins's digital twins are accessible on a standard computer hardware through a desktop or web application that connects to a definitive version in the cloud. As you'd expect in a nuclear environment, it's designed to meet the most stringent security standards. The process of building a digital twin, identifying the data you need to collect, collate and structure, and representing it in a way that will best meet client needs, may take around a year or may take much less. With pre-existing data and new data collected during the construction of the twin in place, it can then be used and added to throughout the life and afterlife of a real-world asset, whether that is a power station, an industrial site, or a utility. Within the nuclear sector alone, 
there will be plenty of demand for a single source of truth on assets. By 2030, 2035, there's estimated to be in the region of sort of 50 to 100 nuclear reactors that are looking to um, move into decommissioning because they're coming to the end of their design life. Now, within the UK, quite a few of the EDF and Magnox fleets are also in that case. So we see it that with, with Cellfield as a prime example, we can sort of showcase these cost savings and the benefits that, and then ensure that nuclear decommissioning isn't such a headache. A safer physical reality grounded in a growing digital reality. Engineering Matters is a production of Reby Media. This episode was written by Will North and hosted by me, Alex Conacher. My co-host was Rian Owen, sound engineering by Ross McPherson, series supervision by John Young, and our own decommissioned powerhouse is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Atkins. And thank you for listening. You can find Engineering Matters on all podcast apps, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. And don't forget to check out our website and sign up to our newsletter for the latest engineering announcements and developments from around the world. Thank you.